Hi, Marlene Bynan, and musing on the news and actions of the day is Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. Tom Korski, happy Monday. Thanks, Arlene. You know, we're so many stories, it seems that they're all kind of uh, squished together on stuff we're finding out about the pandemic. We knew it was going to leave a stain, and here we are, we're finding out about it now. And one of them is that people don't want to go back to work in the office full time. And it looks like the liberals don't want to go back to full in-person meeting in Ottawa. They're proposing this hybrid. What do you say? I mean, a lot of people don't want to let that part of the pandemic and modern technological ability go. Is it a good thing for our government? I think it's up to MPs. Electronic voting, why not? I mean, there have been... Other legislatures, particularly in the United States, have been doing that for 30 years. I don't know why that's an issue. Uh, but the um, the um, of significance was also the fact that MPs, uh, they lifted the VAX mandate today. So MPs who declined to show their proof of vaccination were permitted, can you imagine, to take their seat in the House of Commons? Yeah. There were MPs, uh, one in particular, Mrs. Wagenthal from uh, Yorkville, uh, Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Yorkton, Melville, was declined uh, uh, permission to take her seat in the Commons, first MP so treated since 1946. The last guy was a communist spy. So that was a little rough. Uh, but in terms of the uh, process, you know, uh, of, of course, you know, electronic communication, why can't you have Zoom meetings? The rest of the world is. Why can't you vote electronically? They've been doing that in the Louisiana legislature for a long, long time. It doesn't seem that profound. No, it doesn't. It really has left a different frame of mind with workers and even executives you're seeing. They're usually the ones that head back to the office. But we're seeing that even executives, it's a three-day work week. And it kind of free. Talk about freedoms. That is kind of a freedom, isn't it? If you can technologically do the job elsewhere, why not? Absolutely. But, of course, the point is to save money. So can't wait to see those savings, Arlene. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Haven't seen that oddly in the House of Commons yeah. budget or the Senate. The Senate went to hybrid and their budget increased to $122 million a year. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you spend more money to attend fewer in-person meetings? But they found a way. So that's a little suspicious, isn't it? It is. They don't give up those perks easily. They don't. You have to pull them from their cold, clammy hands, Tom. <laughs> I was trying to find a nice nice way to say yeah, that. I, I noticed. I, I sent <laughs> Now, let me ask you, are you braced up there, ready if there's going to be another convoy on Canada Day, another protest? Uh, the uh, police um, a presence will be notable, but it's interesting, Arlene, I think, that uh, I, I don't think the Freedom Convoy is coming back, but they, the effect of that was so far-reaching. We saw just today report from the Commons Finance Committee. These are from MPs who supported the crackdown on the Freedom Convoy, saying never do it again. That was their recommendation to Cabinet. It can't be a precedent in terms of uh, treatment of public dissent. To which critics, of course, would say, well, told you so. That was the whole problem with it in the first place. But isn't it interesting? Here we are now five months later, but the Freedom Convoy still really freaks Ottawa out. I'm not sure why. I live here. I was here every day, worked every day 
but it really, for some reason, was a really psychically scarring experience for Ottawans. I think it was. And here's my, I mean, I'm not in Ottawa, but from my view in Toronto, the fear I have with it, and you can, and I agree that we have to ask all the questions about what powers were used and why, most important. On the other hand, weaponizing protests. It's kind of a slick move, isn't it? You either have a protest or do you weaponize it in that way where people lose their freedoms? Let's face it, part of this convoy, they, they really lost me when they crashed the homeless shelter. Sorry, they lost me there. I didn't see the freedom in that. Well, there were some allegations, uh, Arlene, and, uh, but n- no one was charged with anything much more seriously than Council to Mischief. There was a lot of double parking. I guess double parking is is irritating to other people. There was a you know there was breach of the noise bylaw. I think you and I would have a difference of opinion on this, Arlene. Mm-hmm. I I've seen lots of uh, uh, street protests, uh, public demonstrations, sometimes labor management disagreements. You name it. Sometimes jostling at at polling stations. That was unpleasant. But Parliament said freedom of assembly is absolutely crucial to the functioning of the country, which means when anyone says, well, what about my right to get a good night's sleep in downtown Ottawa? The hell with that. Parliament says that is not proportionate, that it is more important that a functioning country have the right to allow people to let off steam, and that's what the truck drivers did. I think the uh, we, we don't really appreciate the profundity of what happened there. I think it was very far-reaching. I'm not saying the individual participants were uh, uh, expressing an opinion that was deep in its, you know, application. <laughs> but there was a lot of people who looked at the Freedom Convoy and saw what they wanted to see. And some of them were uh, MPs and legislators and the civil liberties groups. And they had a range of opinion, Arlene, and I think it went far beyond what we heard from Ottawa, which was what was with all these trucks double parked outside the grocery store. Yeah, yeah, I know, you know, I believe, of course, in the right to protest, but I also think that it could be abused, it could be weaponized, and we saw it, and we saw the tussle. And for people like me, who clearly, you know, I put up with a lot of uh, hassles covering protests and also having them in neighborhoods that I was at or walking through, never bothered me, ever. But if somebody got it into their head to weaponize it, and mischief, maybe say, I thought like you, mischief was mischief, but it turns out it's quite a serious charge. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Unless we forget, in Alberta, the border, there were charges of conspiracy to commit murder. Already taken care of. That that was already dealt with before cabinet dropped the hammer. Yeah, I know, cabinet but I'm just talking about the, the aftermath of the whole tone of the whole thing. To me, was not benign. It was not benign. But the country, you're absolutely right. The country was so divided on it, and it we're still feeling its effects. If they came back, I'm just saying, they came back and tried that in my neighborhood. I would be seriously ticked, and I'm sure I'm not alone. Although, I mean, do I want them dragged off? I don't know. I, I think people should have a place they can protest, and I don't think they should be able to take over streets. While we still have time, I want to ask you, there's all sorts of reports online that the Pope is, is close to resigning and stepping aside, Tom, and talk about the aftermath of pandemics or troubled times. You and I have spent a lot of times talking about the dark clouds ahead. 
And it certainly looks like the reports that we're getting in and around from those in the know at the Vatican, we could be looking for some wafts of smoke very shortly. I think they, uh, with all due respect to the Holy Father Francis, I think they missed an opportunity last time. There was a, a candidate from Uganda. I think that was a bad call. I think the Cardinals could have gone with that. That would have been very profound, so far-reaching, absolutely mm-hmm. profound, to have a um, an African Pope. Could you imagine yeah, you're right. for uh, my co-religionists and I, a billion of us around the world, to say, no, that would be the Holy Father. Absolutely profound. I think they really blew it there. They, they missed a, sh- a chance, I think. Do you think they're going to have a different frame of mind now? You know, we've seen so many things change. And just when it looks like Catholicism is going to take a step to the future, all of a sudden it shrinks back. And there was supposed to be the apology here in Canada for the unmarked graves in the residential schools. I mean, there's so much unfinished business there. Yes, I think to be Catholic is to have a lot of unfinished business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tom Korski, have a great evening. Thank you kindly. Appreciate it. Thanks, Arlene. <laughs> Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. I'm Arlene Bynum. This is On Point.